At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now it's time to talk about big data and what it says about beating Trump. For that, we turn to our man on big data, Steve Phillips. He wrote the New York Times bestselling book, Brown is the New White, and he's the founder of Democracy in Color, which has proposed the best data-backed plan on how Democrats and progressives can take back the country. He's host of the Democracy in Color podcast, and he writes for the New York Times, the LA Times, and The Nation. Steve Phillips, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Well, let's note that we're talking before the Michigan primary, of course, before Florida and Georgia, but you've argued for a long time that it's a mistake to neglect African-American voters. I guess the sudden transformation of Joe Biden into the frontrunner shows how right you are. Yeah, well, it's it's been interesting watching over the years, and particularly with Jesse Jackson endorsing Bernie over the weekend. The Jackson campaign was my, you know, political baptism, and so we we saw clearly Jesse going from 400 delegates in '84 to 1,200 in um, '88, three and a half million votes to seven million votes. The power of the vote, but it took a long time for a lot of the media to catch up. But now it really is kind of an article of faith, which is what the numbers show that no nominee since 92 has won without a majority of the black vote. And so that's fortunately now getting into the into the mindset. Hopefully it'll translate and we won't be forgotten once the uh, nomination is, is determined. Well, Biden got 71% of the African-American vote on Super Tuesday. How come there haven't been more black voters for Bernie. Black people we know are not afraid of socialism. The polls make that very clear. And certainly black people need Medicare for all and free college tuition and the rest of Bernie's agenda. So so what happened? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a couple things. So one is the just the very simple fact that he was the vice president to the first black president. Yeah. And so he gets a lot of credit for that and that it's the ultimate validation and endorsement for a lot of people. So that's not inconsequential at all. And then that's, you know, that was 12 years ago. So there's a duration of relationship and, and familiarity and that Bernie's just his just by first somewhat by virtue of being based in Vermont um, has not had the same length and depth of interaction and familiarity. So that's just a big part of it. On the issues, which I think is why Bernie does better with younger African-Americans who are more 
um, ideological, whereas I think the older African Americans are more pragmatic, that the issues do resonate and profound racial wealth gap, profound inequalities in our society. And so those issues do speak to uh, both the conditions of African Americans, particularly resonate with younger African Americans, but that's a smaller percentage of the overall black vote. And that's why um, Biden's doing so well with them. Well, we've been involved in a big uh, debate for the last couple of months about how much of Democratic strategy should focus on winning back older white working class voters who switched from Obama in 2008 to Trump in 2016, especially in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. The argument is that since Trump won by such a small number in those states, winning back some of those older white workers should be possible. And supposedly Joe Biden is the kind of candidate who can do that. You've you've worked on the data on this question. What have you found? Yeah, so I think a few different things. First is, you know, we have an appendix in my book, the second edition, talk about math, not myth. And so... I feel a bunch of the data shows, and what we really argue is that this notion that there were large numbers of white working class voters who switched from Obama to Trump and that gave him the election is a very powerful, if not all-encompassing narrative, but it's not really backed up by the math. And so as significant, even if some, if some of that did occur, as significant of that of what happened was the dramatic drop-off in black turnout. You had a almost a 20-year historic drop-off in terms of the levels of black participation. And what gets like no appreciation at all, which is why I think that, you know, Bernie would be a, a, a competitive against Trump, is there was this historic increase in third and fourth party votes. The increase for Jill Stein from 2012 to 2016 was greater than the margin of difference in Michigan and Wisconsin. Wow. So who can get those voters back? That You haven't heard any discussion about that conversation. It's all been about the white working class. And then the other piece they're missing is that there's very little evidence you can get many or any of the white working class voters. But where there is some evidence is with white college-educated suburban voters. And the Democrats did make some progress on that in 2018. But that's a different constellation than the white working class voters that everyone's obsessed about. You've written a lot about young first-time voters, uh, many of whom are people of color. We should call them young potential first-time voters. Bernie, of course, has argued for years that we need a massive mobilization of new voters in order to change the Democratic Party. The establishment position, the pundits' position, is that the likely voters this year are the same people who have voted regularly in the past. These, of course, are older people, people who aren't poor, people who don't have progressive politics. What do we know about how to mobilize young first-time potential voters and get them to the polls in November? Right, and that's another critical and overlooked constituency. But by November, there will have been 16 million young people who will have turned 18 since Trump became president. 16 million. Let us just pause for a minute and contemplate that number, especially since Trump carried Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania by, what, 100,000 votes total or something like that? By 80,000 votes. And just in Wisconsin and Michigan, it's almost 800,000 people will have turned 18 Mm. uh, since Trump got elected. And those voters are more progressive. 
they were even more progressive in 2016. They overwhelmingly voted for Clinton, actually, um, even in 2016. And that's and it's not. I mean, it, the the most um, dramatic statistics looking at Bernie and Biden is the age gap, in that Biden does extremely well with older voters and extraordinarily poorly with younger voters, and it's reversed. Bernie does very very well with the younger voters. So the the combination of his authenticity, the consistency, and his articulating a bold, unapologetic policy vision clearly is resonating with young people and that the Democrats are going to prevail whoever the nominee is. They've got to be able to speak to that constituency and uh, resonate with the issues and the concerns that they're facing. Now, we've talked about young uh, and new voters as if they're all part of the same group, of course, they're very different. Let's talk about their differences and what the political implications of that of those differences are. Yeah, one of the interesting things that's different in 2020 from 2016 is that is how well Bernie's doing with Latino voters. And yep. that, you know, won them overwhelmingly in Nevada um, and even in a place like Iowa. And since so many Latinos are young, that that sector is you know a big part of how of that actually moving forward. And it's interesting seeing these different interviews and the more you know the anecdotal side, people talking about uh, his healthcare plans and his you know the Medicare for all draws them to him in a way that is contrary to conventional wisdom. People feel like oh that's too radical, that's going to turn people off, etc. Um, so I think that that's a that's a significant development in that regard. Um, and then climate change is another issue, right, that really does, you know, this is, we're talking about the world that young people are going to inherit, right? I mean, my niece graduated from high school last year, and the all of the speeches at the high school graduation were about climate change and um, really saving the planet, because it's clearly something that's going to be on their agenda. So that's, I think, a significant and underappreciated part of the electorate and the dynamic right now. Um, is that this new, the, the electorate of 2020 is going to be different than the electorate of 2016. And the, the candidates have to speak to that uh, constituency and ultimately the ticket will have to. That's the whole other thing that people have grappled with yesterday is who's going to be the person on the ticket with whichever old white man is the nominee. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. Right right now, the the odds are that Biden will be the nominee, just assuming for the moment that that is the case, who do you think the Democrats should run for vice president? So there's, I'm actually working on a piece for the nation to help me run this week, really raising the question about why won't they commit to the running, to desegregating and diversifying the Democratic ticket? In that there's never been a non-white male vice president history of this country. The only time Democrats have won the White House in the past 20 years has been with a diverse ticket. And so really there's an imperative, there's a logic and a moral imperative around that there should be a woman of color as the running mate. And so that I think is just starting to get some traction for that, but hopefully people are going to start to focus in more on that. And the additional dimension of this is 
Biden's weakness with young people. So it's not just a woman of color, any, as well as how do you unify the party? Who's going to appeal to the Bernie constituency if it's, if it's Biden as the nominee? So people have mentioned, and I think that's a very strong candidate, some people should look very seriously, that is Stacey Abrams from Georgia, right? It's very, you know, uh, you know, in her mid-40s, it's, you know, culturally connected, inspires black voters, inspires younger voters, inspires people across the, across the spectrum, and it would be a strong complement and balance to, uh, to Biden. So Stacey certainly has to be high up at top of that type of that list. Stacey Abrams is a strong example of the type of candidate that the nominee is going to need. Of course, the betting, we are told, is on Kamala Harris. The argument for her is she was a, a candidate in the primaries. She appeared on stage before millions of people. She's a senator. She has a much higher national profile. What do you think of the... The, the differences between Kamala Harris and Stacey Abrams as vice presidential candidates. Uh, Kamala certainly has to be in the conversation as well. And there are, she brings a lot of strengths to the, to the calculation also. Um, there, again, there's a, there is an age issue and a um, connection to the progressive sector of the party that particularly has been Bernie's base that they have to uh, calculate. So fair or not, I think there is some level of perception of Kamala as being more moderate and centrist. Yeah. And so that's something they're going to have to, they would have to navigate um, in that. But if you want high black enthusiasm in terms of being able to turn out the number of voters that we had with Obama and didn't have with Clinton, we actually calculated the numbers. Stacey has gotten more black votes in a statewide election than anybody who's ever run for president, anybody who's ever run for office, not named Obama. Wow. By the size of Georgia, the number of voters that she turned out, the, they almost all went for her. So that's a very strong, compelling evidence of the of her appeal to a key constituency. Right. Uh, so. I want to end up by go- going back to big data. Big data can do many things. You showed in a New York Times op-ed how Bernie could win, uh, but big data did not predict that Biden would rise from the ashes. So it seems like the lesson of the last couple of weeks is uh, not so much that big data can help us, but that you never really know what's going to happen in American politics. It's true, although I think that there are certain fundamentals in terms of U.S. politics in the U.S. period. And so I think one of the things people... um, fail to appreciate is just how divided the country is. And there's a kind of a presumption among a lot of mainstream um, pundits that there's this, that most people are undecided and there's this huge swing vote, which will, you know, go one way or the other, depending upon some variables. And that's just really not the case, that this country is divided between people who support this president and people who oppose him. And fortunately, it's a small majority who oppose him. And then at the margins, there are going to be some other aspects of it. And so that is the more, I think, continuous reality that we're going to be facing in this election. And so some things you don't like in the, in the primaries. Yes, we didn't know exactly, you know, Biden was down in the polls, but you did know that the African-American vote would be critical right. as it was in 08 and as it was in 16. 
And it's going to continue to be, you know, Mississippi voting in as we're recording this and then Georgia in two weeks. So, you know, those pieces. And so I think there are certain fundamentals that um, persist within our electorate. Steve Phillips, read him at thenation.com. Listen to him on the Democracy in Color podcast. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.